Welcome to A Gamer's Story. I'm Noah Geekus, avid fan of gaming and gamers alike. Each episode will feature in-depth conversations with gamers from all areas of gaming. Have you ever wondered about the actual gamers themselves? Their motivations? Their home lives? Their quirks? Just how much time they actually spend gaming? And their thoughts on the future of gaming itself? Join me as I ask them just these questions. Are you ready? I'm very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode of A Gamer's Story, game entrepreneur, sales and marketing coach, Bradford Carlton. Bradford is here to discuss how he used his skills as a former attorney, along with all those years of playing video games, to create his own marketing and sales business, as well as his own podcast. Let's get started. Bradford, thank you so much for being on my show. My podcast is about all things gaming, so I'm so excited to talk to another gamer and podcaster. Are you ready? I am very ready. Thank you very much, Noah, for having me today. No problem at all. So first of all, just introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about how you got into gaming and into marketing. Well, that's a long story. Uh, Maybe we break that up a little bit. So my name is Dr. Bradford Carlton. I have my own podcast in the gaming space called The Gamerpreneur. I interview gamers just like you, focus more on how did they get into business and how did they, how are they good at what they do? What, like, what path led them to where they're at? So, you know, when you reached out to me, Noah, like, this is absolutely wonderful. He's doing exactly the same thing I do. It's just kind of a little bit different. So I, I definitely wanted to hop on with you. Thank you so much. I came into the podcast space because my my mom was like, if you're going to be gaming so much, do something with it. And then I get to interview great people like you who have like great stories to tell. I can definitely appreciate how you moved into the gaming space and created a, a job for yourself. So, you know, uh, we're a little bit different. I um, My mother was not as supportive of my gaming as as uh, yours was. It was, I was lazy. I was wasting my time. There's no future in gaming. Why are you bothering it? Why are you wasting your money with it? She did everything in her power to talk me out of going in and looking into like when I was going to college, you know, where, what I want to study. I was thinking about video games and she did everything in her power to talk me out of it. So the fact that your mom is like pushing you kind of in that direction of finding your path here is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I really appreciate my mom for helped me out with this because I really couldn't have done this without her like honestly she is basically like the whole reason I even got into this I wouldn't have even thought of making a podcast without her and uh, she helped me out a lot with that so um how did you go from being a lawyer to gaming Sure. So I'll, I'll give you my life story. How about that? Yeah. And then uh, I'll, try, I'll try my best to be brief. This is usually a half hour story when I give it. So I'll try to cut that back. So I started gaming when I was two and I was at babysitter's houses and they had the, the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. And so we were talking like 16 bit graphics back then. So, And I fell in love with it. It was like all I wanted to do. It taught me how to read. So I was able to go through school faster because I was already reading before most kids. I, was, I, did, I did math before most kids. And my entire childhood, I, I begged, borrowed, and stealed everything I could just be able to play video games and get the newest game that was coming out. So when I went to college and I had to pick something that wasn't gaming related because my mother kind of talked me out of it, I decided I was going to go into law someday. I was going to become an attorney. Uh, I wanted to go into politics, which is a whole separate story, but I don't. So I, I had to do political science because that's pre-law or pre-homeless. I'm like, I'll, I'll go that route. Um, got to college and... I'll admit I spent almost my entire time playing World of Warcraft. So this was 
14 years ago, and it's funny because I still play World of Warcraft, but I, I was you know, a guild leader, raid leader, main tank for a hardcore raiding guild. I, I was playing this game seven days a week, at least eight hours a day. I was doing recruiting and budget management and quality reviews, and I was you know, doing strategic planning with people, and I had to maintain our forums and our website. There's all this stuff I never knew how to do. Like I had to like figure it out while playing a video game, right? And that's kind of that was my life for three years when I was in college until it was time to go to law school. And when it was time to go to law school, I um, got to class on the very first day. We have orientation. Every student is there, all five hundred of us, and they bring out the biggest, scariest professor that they have to like point at us all. And he goes, "You're not children anymore. You're not allowed to say, dude. You're not allowed to play video games." And I was a California boy. Like all I did was say, "Dude," and play video games. So I was kind of in trouble. So I'm like, okay, I'll do what you say. But on the download, I was still playing video games like my best friend. Like I found like the one or two other gamers in school who actually played games still. Everybody else is like, we have to study 12 hours a day. Don't bother us. And we're like, we're here to have fun and just pass. So I got through school, got out into the real world, got a job in the law, and then kind of ended up in another job where I became the youngest partner in the state of Ohio at a law firm. So I was 27 years old at the time. The law firm was 28 years old. I ended up writing the book on elder law. And this whole time, like, I I didn't really know where I was going to go because I kind of reached that goal of being an attorney, right? I knew I was going into politics someday, but like, I was just kind of weaving my way through with no idea that I was gaming was in my future. And so I, I started a law practice with my wife at some point. We we had did pretty good. We started figuring out digital marketing then because as a small business, we had no idea how to get clients because they do not teach that in law school. No idea how to get clients. So some friend of mine is like, hey, have you ever heard of the Facebook? <laughs> right? The, the Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've heard of Facebook. What's up? He's like, if you post in there, like you can get all kinds of clients. So we're like, all right, let's give it a shot. And before we knew it, our phone was ringing off the hook and we had more clients than we knew what to do with. Our, we grew the firm. We had three attorneys, three staff members within about a year and a half. And next thing we know, bar associations were reaching out to us, asking us to do presentations on client acquisition and digital marketing. And some real estate investors found me and I started doing t- uh, presentations on digital marketing and client acquisition. And everything was great. Like my life was absolutely fantastic. And then uh, my wife nearly died. I was having my daughter. Well, she was having my daughter. During the delivery, they they both nearly died. My daughter was premature. And um, my wife decided basically while she was laying there that she never wanted to be an attorney again. And it sucked because she was the trial attorney for the firm. So that was the end of that law practice. And um, I had to stop every business I was doing because I had to care for my wife and daughter for six months straight with nothing. I couldn't look at anything else. And um, when I got out of the six months, I'm like, okay, what do I do with my life now? Because I don't really, I never really wanted to be an attorney. It was just a stepping stone. My wife doesn't want to be an attorney. So we're not, we can't go back to that business. All my other businesses folded during the six months. Where do I go? So I figured, you know, when I was with my wife's law firm, um, I was doing business law. So why not go over and do business consulting? Because it's not too far, right? And so I went around town. I got a couple small clients, but it was never anything like fantastic. I, I've got big ambition. I want to go big places in my life. And that was just not, it was a small town, Ohio. It wasn't going anywhere. So my wife goes, why don't we move to a big city? So I move out to Las Vegas. 
while she's selling the house. And I'm going to every networking event I can. I'm shaking as many hands as I can. And I meet a guy who happens to run a consulting firm here in Las Vegas. And he brings me in and all of the old guys at this table go, you know, we like young blood. We like young people. We just want to teach people stuff. Why don't you just sit around and learn from us? And so after a couple of weeks of just coming by, coming by, coming by and offering to do things here and there, they actually made me the president of their business. And so we had locations in uh, California and Nevada and Utah. We had business around the world. And, you know, before I knew it, I was learning business in a way I never thought I could have as an attorney. Like as attorneys, they're a little pretentious, if you know what that means, right? They, they think very highly of themselves. And I did. And I realized when I was working at this consulting firm, I knew nothing. But thankfully, I got an education of a lifetime. I was talking to, to funders, to investors who you know, were able to get tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars for businesses. And they're all teaching me how to do all this stuff too. And you know, everything was great. The three partners at the firm all decided to retire at the same time, which kind of left me on my own. But by then, I had gotten connections. I had gotten some clients. Everything was great in my life until about August 2019. I woke up and I was miserable. I didn't know why. I, like I had the money, I had the house, I had everything was everything was fantastic in my life, and I didn't know what was wrong with me because you know I've I've done so many things, and so I went to my my coach because it's always good to have a mentor who's able to guide you through things, right? You know, your mom is clearly your mentor. I got to chat with yeah. her beforehand, and you know, you you turn to your mentor, and you're like, what do I do? And they give you some advice. So my mentor's advice was, you need to figure out who it is you want to work with. Well, I had always been a gamer and I'd always wanted to work with gamers. And so I'm like, I, that's kind of who I want to be with. Those are my people. And so I didn't even know where to start. Had no idea where to start in the gaming space because I hadn't really even played video games in several years. I was just so busy that I, um, I looked over at Twitch, right? And so I'm watching other people play video games and I'm like, wow, they don't know anything about branding. They don't know about anything about positioning themselves in this market. They don't know how to sell merchandise. They don't know how to do any of the stuff that comes with sales and marketing. Like, I know all that stuff. Let me try to show people how to do that. So I just start reaching out to people. And I'm like, hey, here's all the books I've written. Here's all the testimonials I've got. Here's all the money I've made people, yada, yada. I'd love to work for you for free. You know, just kind of get my foot in on the ground floor, you know, build some case studies and see if I can't, you know, show you the way to do it and, you know, make something happen. And every single person I talked to said the same thing, the same thing. That sounds fantastic, Brad. I just have two questions for you. What's that? How many viewers do you have? How many followers do you have? I didn't have any. I didn't have my own brand. I'd always been building other people's brand. So I decided, okay, well, I will go and I'll build my own brand. I built the Gamerpreneur, focusing on um, something that I, I saw as kind of no one was really talking about. It was the person behind the controller. Who, like, if I was interviewing you, Noah, like, who are you? Why did you end up here today? Like, what makes you tick? What makes you good at what you do? What do you think you're good at? What kind of failures do you have? Just figure out who you are as a person rather than this big name gamer, this person who runs a studio and all they do is talk about their game. Like th these are real people. Because when I was growing up, I didn't have role models. I didn't have anybody to, to look up to in the gaming space. I didn't have anyone to show my mom, like, look, this person makes millions of dollars. This person made millions of dollars. This person did this thing. I had nothing of that. And so I wanted to create something that other people had something that they could look up to. There you go. Yeah, um, I definitely can see what you mean when you're talking about people to look up to. Because nowadays, like, a kid can show his mom, look, this guy made a million dollars at, like, a Fortnite tournament. And, and they'll be like, 
oh, okay, this could probably be a viable job. But, like, back in the day, it wasn't common to find someone winning a ton of money just based off of, like, a tournament or something. And I can definitely see how it's gotten a little easier to shift into the gaming community, but it's it's still difficult. But even though not everything is about views and clicks or, or whatever else, followers, like all that type of stuff, it is still hard to come in with nothing. You really have to build yourself up. You have to stay in the game. Because people who are on YouTube or um, Twitch for like a year aren't just going to get like a thousand or more followers out of just nowhere. It's just you have to start building yourself up and create a name for yourself and um mm -hmm. so so i can see what you mean when you're saying like you came into the community and and they were kind of like okay but where are your followers where are your likes like what, like what's your ratios and and you didn't have any so so you kind of have to put your foot down and then kind of start moving forward That's right. and i i definitely think that you did that well considering all the studies you put into law and then you moved over to business and then that that really helped you out especially in a community that you that i mean even though you had been playing throughout college that you had kind of moved away from going into college uh, that's just my mm -hmm. thoughts on it absolutely and i mean you're going through this yourself right so your, your show's fairly new and so you um, before we kind of started you told me that you know you were grateful for me being on i'm grateful for every guest i have on too so i understand where you're coming from because it's you know you send a lot of requests out and you hear back from this many of them and then this many of them actually say yes and it's a big excitement when you get somebody so you know keep it up eventually you're gonna have people wanting to be on your show yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that that it's pretty difficult to land a guest, but when you do, like once you start getting that ball rolling, eventually, eventually it'll work out, or or so I think. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. All right, so um, moving on. What's an average day like? Oh, geez, there's no such thing as average as an entrepreneur. So I mean. It depends on the business I've been in. It depends on... So at the moment, I get up about 5.30 in the morning and I would never have been able to do that before. Like it was only thanks to having my daughter that I learned not to sleep. I get up at 5.30 in the morning and then I usually do about an hour of meditation and then get up, take my shower and um, get straight to work. Usually it's it's producing business plans or uh, developing uh, strategic plans for people or I get on the call usually about eight. I have staff that does a lot of my reach out for me. So I don't have to struggle the way I used to. Uh, when I was a new entrepreneur, it's, you know, every minute of every day, you're grinding, 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 reaching out to people, sending emails, sending DMs, just trying to get in touch with as many people as you can, because, you know, if you're trying to make money, the only way to do it as an entrepreneur is by yourself. So you, you just have to put it out there. But once you get to a certain point, you're able to, to scale and leverage other people's time. So my days are actually not near as difficult as they used to be. Um, I just took on a new project two weeks ago. So I spend maybe three to four hours a day building out PowerPoints and compiling information. And then about a couple hours on the phone. But I hang out with my daughter and my wife most of the day. Wow, I think that that's definitely an, uh, a really big like upgrade. Just like going from like grinding, grinding, grinding like emails like tirelessly to like like being being able to spend time with your your kid and your wife, which is I I think that's really important. Even like if you're in an industry where sometimes you can be a little distant because like you're on like you're playing games all the time, right? Or or I guess in your case it, it isn't completely that way, but still I think it's definitely important to spend time. <laughs> 
with with family. I I still get about an hour a day to play games, if that. Yeah, I play games often. I definitely play games often. I mean, it's not like I can like continually like I'm always on the I'm always on games, but I I do play games fairly often. So I think it's definitely important to to not just envelop yourself in like the games and just kind of like at least like be with your family from time to time. Once you have a family of your own, it's it's not as simple as when you're young or when you're in college and you don't have those responsibilities. Like my daughter's four, and um, if my door is open to my studio, she will wander it and then crawl up into my lap, and then I have to pay attention to her. There's there's no bones about it. Like it's time for her now. But and my wife's much the same way. <laughs> well, that's kind of just family. That's how it works. If 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 your door is open, we we accept it as an invitation to just come in. Our problems are just as important as yours. <laughs> like if your if your door is open, then say la vie, man. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I guess moving on. Do you still play games often? Like, I know you play, like, an, an hour a day, as you said, but, like, what games do you play? Uh, predominantly World of Warcraft still. They uh, used to call it Warcrack back in the day because it was so addictive. Um, my daughter is starting to learn video games, and I'm trying to get her to start off on the simpler stuff. I don't want her playing Call of Duty at 4, you know. I want her playing Mario, so it's, you know, two buttons run and jump, and then you, you move. And uh, so I get to play a lot of Mario with her. And um, she plays games on her tablet, and so I'm, I'm there. I'm the good papa for her. But it's, it's largely Warcraft. I have a couple other games that I have, and I, like, started. I just never got to finish um, because, you know, there, there was a point at some point in my life where I was able to go from playing seven, eight hours a day, you know, until, oh, the sun went down. I should go to bed and then wake up and do it all over again to I have to spend time with my family. Like, maybe I can sneak in half an hour real quick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. I personally, like, I, I mean, I have, like, boundaries, but, like, me time is just probably used on, like, games and stuff or talking with my friends or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I play, like, a ton of different games. Um, I have a PlayStation and um, PS5, or PlayStation 5, which is awesome. And I'm totally hoping to get the new sequel to the original Ratchet or to the 2016 Ratchet and Clank. I can't say the original because the original came out long, long ago. That wasn't that long ago if you're old enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't stick to like a specific genre. I don't like prefer a specific genre, the shooter or an RPG or whatever. But I, you say that you really like World of Warcraft, so I, I can respect that. I, I like World of Warcraft. Too. You know, it's not that I don't want to play other games. Um, I'm a completionist. I like, I want a hundred percent a game. Like if I was going to play Spider-Man, I would stop every single criminal in the city. Um, the issue is if you do that, it's 80 hours of time plus, right? Hey, well, I, I've actually a hundred percent of the sequel. I haven't a hundred percent in the first game yet, but I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there soon. Right on. But it's 80 hours plus, And you know, if I only have an hour a day, if I did that, it's 80 days. That's, you know, two and a half months of time to play one game. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, admittedly, that is quite a bit of time to be spending, but I like to complete games, but I feel like it only has to be a game I'm interested in. I really like the Spider-Man games, and I like Spider-Man as a character, so I don't mind oh, going yeah. around the city, especially when there's, like, some sort of plotline intertwined with it, right? Like, um, in the sequel, there was, like, this mission where you, um, you're 
well, the character's dad, who is was currently deceased, for his birthday he would um he would put like for his birthday he would put like letters around the city. Well, he had a, a scavenger hunt set up effectively, and and it was actually like really nice because there was like a storyline behind it, so I didn't mind going around the city and like finding this stuff. Or like uh, his uncle had placed like music cues around the around the city and and mm-hmm. where uh, his uncle and his father had like made a, a track out of it so I, I didn't mind going around and finding them because i got to like get the end result and i also got to see like what they were doing and like how, how they were so i i think like as a completionist i think if it has a story based around it or if it, it's, it's something important then I would, I'll totally do it. I'll do it with no doubts. The problem is the game I've, I'm currently still slogging through in a, in a few minutes here and there is um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which came out you know years ago. And there's so much to find. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Oh, man. Like, there's... I mean, in most Assassin's Creed games, there's a few there's a few trinkets to find, but that one was big, so... I'm not sure I would be able to get through that one. <laughs> Uh, I've talked enough about completing games all the way through. So uh, I guess we should move on. So what are the types of things a listener would be surprised to learn about you? Something we wouldn't think of. Oh, that's an interesting one. I'm actually really fun-loving. I try to come across as fairly serious. And I actually one day when I was in a law school, I had a friend of mine come up to me and point her finger in my chest, start poking me. And she goes, you know... Nobody realizes this, but I just figured it out. When you're trying to be funny, you sound serious. But when you're sounding serious, you're actually trying to be funny. And that's probably why people don't understand you. So my wife still has a hard time with that sometimes. Um, I try to make light of serious situations because it's, you know, it's always easier if people are smiling and happy. And I'm, I have a very dry sense of humor. So when I sound like I'm being serious, I'm probably actually cracking a joke that no one recognizes. I remember being at a, um, a networking event and I had just told somebody this at another networking event, like the night before. And so he was at this uh, event with me and we're standing there and I'm talking to somebody else. And I made a joke and it was a super dry sounding joke, meaning I said something, but if you did not know I was joking, you wouldn't get it. And he just bust a gut and he dropped to the floor, on the floor, rolling around. And this is a professional event. He's on the floor. He's like, that was such a funny joke and nobody else got it. That was great. So that's probably like something that people would not get about me is um, I'm actually really funny if you listen for me trying to be funny. Um, Most people think I'm, I'm way too serious and I'm not. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's happened with me before. I, like, crack a joke and, like, and, like nobody except for, like, my one friend who understands me gets it. I'm like, at least you got it. <laughs> it's, it's gotten me in trouble a couple times because, you know, I, I, I have played, and I still do uh, sometimes, in a more, a much more professional setting. And you're not supposed to make jokes in professional settings. You're not supposed to laugh all the time or be smiley all the time. And so um, you get ostracized a little bit for it. And I, I ended up—I really don't care. That's why I ended up going with gamers because they get me more than the professional side of things do. You know, I, I think gamers don't take themselves too seriously. 
Um, maybe it's the type of games that we play. Maybe it's the storylines we've we've played throughout the, the years. You know, we understand that the world's bigger than we are just because we have that exposure to bigger ideas. But you know, I I like hanging out with gamers, um, even if I've never played a game that somebody else has. You know, you talk about Spider Man. I have not played the new Spider Man, but I, I watched it on YouTube because I had time to. And um, I think back to when I played the first Spider Man back on like. Not necessarily the SNES, like but way, way, way back, but like the first 3D Spider-Man on the PlayStation and thinking of just how janky that web swinging was and like how nice it looks now. Like we, you and I could talk about that. Uh, we have something to, in common, even though I've never played the same game as you. Yeah, I think the first uh, Spider-Man was like PS1 maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not the best at remembering these kinds of things. But yeah, I I mean I've seen videos and I, obviously I don't have one. I, I don't have a copy. Well, I mean I guess that's not really obvious, but I don't have a copy of my, of of it myself. But yeah, I've seen it and it's it's so much different because from then to now is just like comparing different worlds, completely different worlds. Like the graphics have been toned up so much, but you need like but nowadays you need like an army to get these kind of graphics done. That's right. Although um, gaming will be going over to these babies, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, definitely. Be mobile soon. Everything's going to be mobile soon. Yeah, I like to play Magic the Gathering, if, you, if you've never heard. And um, basically Magic Arena, which used to be a PC-only game, just moved to mobile. And, um, well, not just. It was like a few months ago. But uh, I've been grinding on it. So When I was your age, I had – it was – brick it was like this big i had to stick it in my pocket and i was not allowed to use it it was for emergencies only and so like i remember all my pants uh, all my jeans like it just bulged right there and it made sitting uncomfortable and but you know it's amazing how far technology has come because your phone now is more powerful than any computer we had back then yeah the oldest phone i've ever seen is a flip phone which my dad used to have <laughs> for his job his job gave him like a, a blackberry or something and it was it, it, it was so old and just like you would like pull out the little like keyboard thing and it was <laughs> compared to what we have now like with voice activated like siri my dad not blackberry but like like not for work but like when it, with his mobile phone phone for a while he had an iphone 4 and it wasn't like siri it was an, it was an iphone but it wasn't siri it was voice control like, like you couldn't say hello siri and then your your phone would just like activate it would go bring you have to like tap you'd hold it and you'd be like voice control <laughs> like i i find that so funny how old this kind of stuff is come and and like how much it's evolved I, I find that like really cool actually so i'll tell you um no i'm having flashbacks to when i was 13 years old and thinking somebody who was 34 was ancient <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i think like the age when you become ancient is like 65 that's when you've seen the world <laughs> that's so i'll tell you i was an elder law attorney so when I was 26, 27, when I became partner at that law firm, it was an elder law firm, which means elder law is the, um, the law surrounding death. So almost all of my clients were 65 plus. Old is not a number. Old is a mindset. I have met people who were in their 20s who were old. And you know, you know the, you probably have some friends in high school who or middle school who are already kind of old, who just – they just always – they're just not there in the same way other people are, right? 
So it's, it's not a number. People, I, people have been 80 plus and done triathlons. My daughter's four. She plays, so they'd yeah. be younger too. And it's just such a, a wide variety of people that can be there. It doesn't, it doesn't require a specific person, specific type of person. All walks of life are able to get, which is what I like about it. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, with my show, I've, I've t- interviewed a ton of people and I've been on calls with more than I've interviewed, right? And there's something very clicky about the gaming space. Gamers like dealing with other gamers. And if you're not in the club, then they don't really like you. It's kind of funny. But there is something about being a gamer. It's, it's different. I don't know if it's the same for your generation, you know, uh, and the people. Because, you know, there was a study that came out something like two years ago that said 90% of high school students are they're gamers. They play, they play video games. So, I mean, when I was growing up, me and my five friends were the weirdos off on the side with our Game Boys, the original Game Boy, uh, with our link cables between them in order to like trade stuff. And, you know, we were strange. And now, like, everybody plays. Very accurate. Very accurate, that survey or whatever it was. Because everyone at school plays. Everyone. And now it's like if you don't play, <laughs> you're, the, you're, you're the person who is like connected. I mean, like everyone now. And and uh, by the way, I have an, uh, a Game Boy Advance SP, so I know what you're talking about. I <laughs> oh no, you gotta kick it further back than that, Noah. <laughs> My thing had a green screen; it wasn't even backlit. So, like, if you're in the car with this thing, you would hope to go by a street light. Like I saw my move. Uh, okay. like a book. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I be reading books and been like, "Come on, come on." That's Some exactly how it was. Yeah. And that's just how technology gets adopted. I mean, TV was the same thing when it first came out, right? If Most people didn't have it, and then someday they did. Now you're strange if you don't watch TV. Before that was the radio, and you know, only a few people had it, and then eventually most people did. Now you were strange if you didn't listen to the radio, right? So games, I think, just kind of have been following the same cycle as everything else. Mm. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Because, I mean... Gaming isn't like gaming isn't the first thing that you would be outcasted for. As I as I was talking about before, like how like YouTubers or Twitch streamers have to build up. It's kind of the same for like ideas or like objects. I don't know what example to give right now, but if you're the only person who uses this thing, you're gonna have to sell some people before it like starts to get starts to mm-hmm. get a role because like you're going to use it and your friend's going to use it and you're like, oh this, this is great tell them to that their friends and then it just spreads around just like the radio and and all the other things that you were talking about like and now even youtube right youtube came out in 2005 so and then it started to build some momentum with like different youtubers and now it's like such a big thing mm-hmm. 100 million 100 billion people 100 million not billion if that's what you're in. But 100 million people are, are like on this thing, like watching people, probably even more than that. But um, yeah, that's just my idea of, of this kind of concept. And uh, I think overall, it, it, it's, it's important for things to change, especially in the way that gaming has changed. Because I mean, I think that it, it not it goes from bad to good, but it, it definitely made waves in a good way. Oh, for sure. And, you know, there's a lot of people who made it happen. It's not like it just kind of 
popped in and now everybody's playing. Like there have been people who for decades have been pushing and trying to get games to be more mainstream and then promoting it. I mean, esports is kind of a great example of that. Esports was just a bunch of people sitting around on, you know, the SNES way back in the day, two player playing something against each other and like, hey, we should have a tournament, see who's the best person around. And then, you know, you had arcades, you know, events as well. And um, it was just people saying, you know, there has to be something here. There has to be something here. We can't always be the weird ones. And so we have to give a lot of credit to our, our forerunners, the people who've been doing this before us, because they they were the weird ones. They were the really strange ones. And now we're like, oh, yeah, everybody plays. But they, they didn't used to. Absolutely. And I definitely commend the people who started it because they, they knew that they had something here, just that they needed to convince some people and then it would change the industry. So um, moving on, where do you see the gaming industry headed? So the gaming industry, I see as becoming more, um, I don't want to say democratic, more open. Um, at the moment, you have a couple large publishers. So the people who make the games, the developers, right? And, um, and a ton of indie studios. I see, because I have this business background that I have, I see a lot of these indie studios starting to go ahead and find funding outside of the gaming space. Eventually, gamers are going to start looking outside their little click and realize that this is a business just like everything else, and they're going to start getting private equity to come in, so just private funding. And that's how games are going to get funded in the future. It's not going to be the one or two big monolithic publishers who decree what games are allowed. It's, it's not going to be like that anymore. Um, I see a lot of mobile just because most people on the planet use mobile. Uh, mobile actually comprises the vast majority of game gaming and gamers on the planet. And, um, Esports, I have, a, I have, a, I think it'll keep going. I don't know if it's going to keep going with the kind of same energy it has been. I, I think people are realizing there's not a lot of money to be made there. Yeah, I can completely understand that from a business perspective. I know that you're a business fan, but uh, and I'm not. But I'll give my 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 uh, my. You two can be if you want to be. <laughs> my, I'll give my two cents. Um, I think that if you're going into something like gaming, you you want to keep up. Um, some sort of profit because it, it is like a hobby type thing but then you have to ha get something from it to keep going with that kind of thing i mean you can do it on the side but so noah here's the thing about gaming gaming is bigger than movie television and music combined it makes more money every year than those three industries combined. It's nearly $200 billion a year and it's still not reached its potential yet because gamers, they, they're not business people for the most part. They don't know how to go find private funding to do this stuff. They don't know how to properly target their audience. They, it's still kind of a new industry. It's only been around for roughly 30, 40 years or so, right? Television took roughly that long to get its legs under it. Radio took roughly that long to get its legs under it. People are now starting to come in. And, and before we know it, you're going to see more ads for games than you ever thought possible. Yeah, I mean, I already do, man. N Nintendo got Nintendo somehow got over my computer because because <laughs> I'm seeing an ad for like Mario every single like day. I think that that's completely true because in this community, I feel like everyone's so involved that things are bound to change, and definitely, um, gamers like streamers or YouTubers are gonna get like, much more involved seeing like what their community does and what their community likes and how to how to get target audiences stuff like that 
And I think it's going to just be continue to advance, to continue to advance forward. And I think just big things are going to happen. Big changes are on the way. Oh, absolutely. So um, before you leave, is there anything you want to tell the audience that you haven't so far? Um, I, I truly appreciate you, you know, having me on, Noah. It's, it's, you have a very bright future ahead of you. You know, anybody who starts young like you are, I have interviewed a lot of people um, in their early 20s and even in their teens who started young. And it, it'll take some time. Like you said, it's not going to happen overnight. But if you keep at this for enough time, eventually you will find your foothold. You're going to find your audience. You're going to find what, mar- you, what markets you should be marketing into and selling product into. And you will have a business. You're going to be able to make money off this if you want to keep doing it. There is a lot of potential here for you. So you know, thank you so much for having me on here Start toward the start. I'm, I'm going to look forward to uh, seeing where you go. No, it's my pleasure, honest, honestly. I mean, it's it's just great that you came on and talked to me about like all your life. I think that it's so important for people to share their views on a community like gaming. I really do appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. You're welcome, Noah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bradford, I think that's about all the time we have. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I'm so glad you were able to discuss how gaming has affected your life and helped shape your career. You showed our listeners that there are many ways to have a career in gaming and esports. For those listening, please make sure you follow Bradford on all of his social media platforms that I've linked to the podcast. Also, make sure to listen to his podcast, The Gamepreneur Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Gamer Story Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me, you can reach me directly at thegamestory.com. Thanks for listening.